Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Welcome, everybody, Spike's Car Radio. It's nice to have you here. Uh, we're here in the Beverly Hills studio with, uh, with an old friend, funny comedian. His name's Jeff Cesario. Jeff, uh, how are you, man? It's been a long I'm time. Good. It's been uh, too long. Now, you're here um, because you have a new podcast on Podcast One, right? I have a podcast. You're one of the, the, the blessed 200. <laughs> wow, is that what they're calling them? <laughs> not, not a dot more than 200 podcasts. That's it. That's it. If, if, you're, not, if you're not holding up your, uh, your, your listenership, they we, get rid of you and they bring in someone else. We push you out the bottom. <laughs> they, they do the uh, TV show, the blank TV show after show. <laughs> and they get rid wow. of your show. What is it? What is the new podcast? It's called, called Play with Pain. It features uh, my sportscaster uh, alter ego Chet Waterhouse, uh, who is uh, sort of a uh, very enthusiastic but daft sportscaster mm-hmm. who uh, loves sports. Who calls uh, who, whose own faux pas have kept him out of the majors, but he calls everything as if it's the seventh game of the World Series. So it's uh, welcome to international speed fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this because you did a lot of this when you were yeah, on my right, show right. <laughs> way yes. back in the day. This was like the writer's room comedy bit right. that you were always doing in the writer's room. Brought to um, you by Incognito. You'd never <laughs> guess we're plumbers. He has the worst endorsements and the, the most horrible analogies. Oh, that kid's harder to catch than a glimpse of your neighbor's <laughs> wife naked. Can I say that? I can't say that. So it's a lot of that. And then he interviews a guest and uh, – uh, uh, Chet does an update. Uh, well, that's a lot of work. I mean, first of all, I remember. So this is back when uh, I was hosting a late night show on Fox talk is, show with Spike Firstin, right? Say, yes. 2006 to 2009. Tremendous show. Tremendous yeah. show. Lots of great writers in that writers room. Wow. I've gone off to run Colbert, Small, Lamar, right? S- small. Well, staff. I know how to pick them. But yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Maddie's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, Conan, head writer on Conan. Who's, uh, who's head writer in Conan? Uh, Matty O'Brien. O'Brien. He's now at Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, right? He I think they over. just canceled that. 
He's back. No, I think it's he's back. back. They canceled it at Fox, but it's going to NBC. Oh, so he went. Wow. So maybe I don't know. Oh, I saw one of their writers yesterday, and he was uh, shaken but excited. He <laughs> 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 was canceled, and then my job was saved. So is his mortgage broker. Yeah, shaken no, but excited. Boy, that is show business. That is show business. But it's that's a great old it phrase. Uh, you can, it's uh, you can make a killing in showbiz, but it's hard to make a living, and uh, this right. is why. And it can kill you. Yeah. As well. <laughs> but right. I remember you doing this character in the writer's yeah. room. And here's what I remember is I always I kept telling myself, how is he – how are you riffing like that? You were so – you were like Eminem. You know when Eminem is freestyling? <laughs> you were freestyling comedy and it was so good. And I, and I would say to Gibby, I would say to the EP, I was like, is he, is he writing these things and coming in and doing them? Or is, <laughs> is that just flowing naturally? Yeah. Speaking of freestyling, Michael Phelps warming up with 100 freestyle. <laughs> 34 years old. I just saw him blow a dube. I do not have great expectations for this race. So you're an accomplished stand-up comedian, world Thank famous. You. How do you, though, how famous, do you but... get from there to this Chet Waterhouse? How do you take this impression you're doing in the writer's room and go, let's turn it into a show? You know, I always loved sports casting when I was a kid. Uh, I just love the enthusiasm they would work up. And, and this is a God's honest, true story. When I was a kid, a hu- I grew up in Wisconsin. I was a huge University of Wisconsin fan, football fan. And they were horrible. But the sportscaster then was a guy named Earl Gillespie. And he would make them sound so good and exciting that I mm-hmm. wound up going to college. I mean, he literally like, there's the kickoff from Illinois. Billy Merrick under it for the Badgers at the five. He's churning, spinning, driving to the six. <laughs> Earl, I'm pretty sure Billy Merrick fell down but he made it sound so exciting yeah the way they talk like yeah. even newscasters they have that weird way of talking and when someone gets in front of the camera and the microphone doesn't do that you go well, what, what's wrong with him yeah yeah but yeah. it is so strange why do why do they have to talk like that i don't know something <laughs> got in the you know how every howard cosell he sort of broke the mold a little bit because he didn't talk like that. He 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 kind of had but more he erudite. Had that way of- he did have a rhythm there, right there. You saw it. I like when he accused you of seeing it. You saw it. A clear fumble. You know. You go. I don't. All right. But nobody I saw talks it. like that. Nobody talks like that in real life. But there's something compelling, especially on on radio or podcasting, when you hear. A voice that drives you. There was a there was an old jazz guy out of Rochester, New York, W H A M, Harry Abrams, uh, Harry Abraham, and he he. When I was a kid, listening to that at night, it just grabbed me. He had, and that's a whole other school. That's the whole. Uh, uh, that was Miles Davis, and prior to that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Tuesday, and it was Sonny Rollins. I mean, you know, just... That's like Carl Castle on NPR. That's <laughs> right. Carl Castle whispering to you. Stop whispering to me. Just talk to me. So that rhythm got in my blood, and then I thought I, I didn't really want to be a full-blown sportscaster. I tried sports writing for a while, and I just thought, eh, you just feel like such a third person. It's like, why not get in there and do something instead of right, right. being the person talking to the right. person doing something? So. Comedy, uh, uh, I had a little more affinity for that, so I did that. But then I kind of let this character grow, and I always did it in rooms and had a blast doing mm-hmm. it. And people seemed to really like it. And finally, I, and I put him in my act. He's been in my act for a while. So so what did you do? Did you bring it to Corolla? Did this come in through Corolla you know or what? right to Norm? I've been doing them on radio 
for probably the better part of 25 years. I started on K-Rock in the early 90s. I was the sports guy before Jimmy Kimmel on K-Rock when oh, Kevin wow. and Bean had the show. Mm-hmm. So I did it for about a year and a half, two years. And then uh, f- fast forward to about a year ago, uh, I knew David Wilde, a great music writer, who mm-hmm. uh, was doing Corolla every two, three, four weeks or whatever, just popping on. And I said, David, I'd love to go and just hang out. And he said, okay, come with me. And, and then I said I had this wacky sports ca- caster that I <laughs> thought he might like. And uh, um, Mike August heard it and said, well, you know, yeah, all right, give a pop on. And I did it. I did an update. I always prepare a two-minute update. Um, I even have one for you if you need it. <laughs> but, but, you know, because just that's who Chet is. He's always got two minutes of sports let's updates ready. This is a, let's hear some sports so, updates. So, so, then, so then I did it for Corolla, and he literally looked at me, and he goes, <clears throat> are you Ch- you're Chet Waterhouse from K-Rock? You? And I go, yeah, me. And he goes, get out. I never knew it was you. <laughs> and so he kind of took a shine to that. And about every couple of weeks, I popped on. And then in uh, January, uh, Norm said, why don't we – Give you a, a show, see what happens, and uh, and uh, I'd like to even use you as the voice of of Podcast One Sports. Oh, that's cool! I said I'd love to do. That's that. I'll a great do idea. Any and all promos, I'll screw them up because that's what Chet does. Yeah. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. Chet Waterhouse with a Waterhouse Weekend, brought to you by U Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. Playoff Mania, NBA, Celtic slow roasted Cleveland like a Chevy Malibu caught in a lava flow. LeBron James looks as exhausted as an African American student trying to catch a nap at Yale. Now unemployed Kevin James said he's available to fall on someone's anterior cruciate ligament. That's good news for the Cavs. If Bob Boston coach Brad Stevens can stay in the news two more days. He'll be tapped for a Trump cabinet post. Meanwhile, Houston and Golden State are playing for the NBA championship. James Harden sidelined when his beard erupted with molten lava and noxious gases. Hockey! Washington Capitals up to zip with new goalie Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Someone stop the Winnipeg Jets, said the NBC exec in charge of hockey ratings. That playoff menu brought to, brought to you by the Hot Dog Ingredients Defense Council. You're cooking them at 500 degrees. What do you care what the hell's in them? Baseball! Angels multi-threat show. hey oh Tanny through six scoreless innings, then caught a bluefin tuna with his bare hands for kicks. Golf! At the Players' Championship, Webb Simpson coasted to victory literally while shooting a 73 from a hoverboard. UFC 224! Amanda Nunez retains her belt with a knee to the nose. A martial arts move straight from from the Netherlands. That pun brought to you by Plopcorn. The popcorn that pops upside down. Get it right in the bowl with Plopcorn. If you want more of me this weekend, Spike, I'll be in Lake of the Weeds, Minnesota doing play-by-play on fishing for pickups where fishermen try to catch their own trucks they drunkenly left on the ice too long in March. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain. Yes. (laughs) Unbelievable. Do you want us to put some like rah rah marching band music under that report, or is it, it meant d- to be? Doesn't need, it doesn't. It doesn't need any way. I think if without it's low it. enough, a little. Uh, yeah. How how are you going to do that for a straight hour? Like I do a half much, hour. You do a half I, hour. I do. Interviews. That's a lot of energy you just put out. It is. It uh, made me tired just <laughs> listening to it. It's densely written. It's lovely. It's funny. But that's what what was that? Forty forty seconds. Maybe that was two minutes. That was, was two, two minutes. minutes. Okay. Yeah. 
That leaves you 28 minutes. Well, that's why I have a guest. Uh, and then I do a legitimate interview, except all the questions <laughs> run come it? out like, so what's the new project? You know. <laughs> so then I let the person talk. Well, that sounds idiotically funny coming out of a, a sportscaster like that. Right, but it's going. hard. I mean, people don't realize how hard it is. You know, Stephen Colbert is one of the few that was able to pull it off with a Colbert right, report, right. right? And this is at a very high yeah. energy, high speed. Well, that's why I thought a half hour is enough, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I do and prep. I do about an hour and a half prep on the on the guest, and uh, and I see what they're up to. I try to find a couple of facts on them. I do about 15 minutes of straight interview. Then I do something called the Fiery Four, right. which is a ripoff <laughs> of all those uh, uh, Blazing Fives and all those ripped from today's headlines. So hot, they got an under-the-table payment from Michael Cohen. You know, just stuff like that. And then I do – and then I ask the guest to do a pop quiz for me. Anywhere from three to five questions on anything, pop culture, sports, anything they want, movies, whatever they want. And Chet usually screws that up. Uh, I actually try to use my own real mind. Right. Uh, it just comes out. and But I don't know that much. So I usually lose the pop quiz, <laughs> which is riotously funny. And then I pepper the whole thing. With, uh, you know, that remark brought to you by Throwbacks, the e-cigarette you light with a match. You know, just, just dumb, wow, dumb stuff like that. And, this uh, is wild. I have fun. I have a no, fun. this is the perfect uh, format for you. I, I like this because that guy you want, I found myself trying to listen for the real news in there. <laughs> was oh, there, yeah. was yeah. there real news in there? There is real news in there. There's real sports news uh, in yeah, there. Yeah, that, I like uh, that. I, I forgot to update the fact that the Caps are only up 2-1 now. Uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay Lightning won last night. So so are you just a 24-7 sports junkie? You know, I'm not. I keep up on it. I got a 9-year-old daughter, which takes a big chunk out of the day's schedule. Uh, <laughs> you know, man, oh, man, oh, man, I'm exhausted. Uh, but uh, uh, I try to keep up on it, uh, even the sports I don't like that much, just because uh-huh. it's kind of fun. And now, especially with Chet, it's good to have – it's good to be aware of things that are going on and to right. try to at least stay up to date on – trades or who's doing what but you know i also try to comment on the the idiocy of it all like you know fantasy football is hey what's that sound that's the south koreans <laughs> flying by us at the speed of light while we waste our time on fantasy football <clears throat> so I, I try to throw a little bit of that in there do you play any of that stuff i can't i can't I get don't. my head around i still don't even know how it works no i don't either and it seems like a massive time i'll tell suck. you what has been getting me back into sports because i you know when you're young you're very much into sports, but then I, I went to college. And I went to music school. You know a lot about what I did, and then I'm into comedy. It's just there's no room for sports. There's no yeah. room for talking about it. I preferred to play it rather than talk about it. And what'd you play? Uh, I played baseball. I was a, a very good baseball player. Would you Got play? drafted varsity when I was in ninth grade. I played center field. as an outfielder. And then wow. I played when I was younger. I would play shortstop or second base. Ferriston under it, he basket catches it just for the crowd. <laughs> I had great. I still have great eyes. I can, uh, you know, I wear glasses, but I still have 2010, 2015 vision with them. So, so you can break on the ball. So I can break on the ball. That's that was the good. skill. They to called, an outfielder. They called me Eagle Eye. Wow. Yeah, I remember the day I got. I was playing for the Pirates in Little League. They said, "You're Eagle Eye. Wow. You can see those things." That's and great. And I loved it. And I and I and I modeled myself after Freddie Lynn. Sure. So I would even hold back a little so I could make the diving catch, like oh, the famous you? Red Sox Freddie Lynn. But yeah. you knew you but were I knew, holding back. I knew I was yeah, holding back. And you knew yeah. you could still make I had it. A little bit of showmanship. There's a little bit of showbiz there, coming out right back. There. But there, there really is. I mean, the best players had that. I mean, and then was... you know, in Boston, things did not go well when you know in 
the 70s and 80s no, for Boston. No, the Celtics were okay, but the Patriots and the Red Sox. Yeah, Celtics were, were a legitimate dynasty. They yeah. were, but the Red off. Sox. Were, were uh, heartbreakers. Heartbreakers. Yeah. Heartbreakers. Whenever we got close, and my father was very uh, superstitious, and he believed, well, this is deserved. The people of New England deserve <laughs> to live like we've done something wrong. He didn't believe in the Babe Ruth, the curse of Babe Ruth, but he believed no, in everything he, else. Something deeper than, than that. Deeper, like yeah. you're watching the game. That was just a trick. And I would say, hey, they're going to win this one. And he'd go, don't say that. Don't say that, Michael. Yeah. And then they would lose. He'd go, see, you, you did it. You did that. So, you know, I had to unwind you a lot. You upset the karma yes. apple cart. A lot of that bad psychology. Now, they go on and the Patriots go on to win a lot. Yeah. And I was actually with my dad the first time the Patriots won the Super Bowl. That and had to this, be exciting. This weight just lifts from you. Like, God, yeah, the curse yeah. isn't real. The right. curse isn't real. And the Reds, same things happen. The Red Sox win. And now it happens a few times, right? And now you get a little complacent, a little ambivalent. You're just like, all right, well, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we do here in Boston. We win. New England. That's right. We win. We're, we're, we've got a, a sports dynasty here. And then, you know, as you get older, time is flying by very, very, yeah. very quickly. And now it's like, oh, wait, they're playing again? Oh, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not. I'll start paying attention during the playoffs. I and must. I'm, yeah. And maybe now I'm gonna start paying attention during just for the Super See, Bowl. That's are they interesting. In it or are they out of it? You know what I'm saying? As a Wisconsin fan, uh, growing up, the Packers were uh, a, a dynasty when I was a kid, but they were a hard-earned dynasty that that's had right. come from uh, ashes, <laughs> mm-hmm. rebuilt themselves under Lombardi. Wisconsin was horrible. The Braves moved to Atlanta when I was a kid, so I had nothing. So that. Um, um, Lightheartedness leaves me uh, much more reluctantly. I still root... Just about every game of Wisconsin football, and and even this year's team has a great they they have a great lunch bucket mentality there that still exists. It's very Rust Belt. Mm-hmm. They wear T-shirts under their shirts now that say, <laughs> "Nobody cares, work harder," <laughs> which is a great way to undercut all the hype yeah. you get, you know. And I got to get me one of those T-shirts just for well, life. people. You know, you start to. You know, I bartended in Boston to, to put myself through school, and I'd meet these old guys who were, you know, not lying. I'm staying alive. I don't until. know why they're drinking at the bar, <laughs> but I'm staying alive yeah. until the Red Sox win. It was primarily the Red Sox. And now, you know, I've watched my mom and I remember my grandmother. They turn all the women of New England after the age of about 55 turn into hardcore Red Sox fans. <laughs> like they know more about the game. Like, you know, she never came to any of my Little League games. She couldn't tell you how the game was played. And then she called me. She goes, I'm at Fenway Park. And I'm like, why? It's not even baseball season yet. And he goes, well, they're, they're – there's a big day of celebration here for Louis Tiant. And I'm like, really? Oh, that's great. <laughs> You're going to that? Yes. And then they're going to honor Ted Williams. And I go, are the stands filled? She goes, no, it's just the hardcore fans. Oh, that's And I great. can't explain it. But now, so now you get grandma, right? And that, that yeah. gets my attention, but doesn't get me back into watching the games. But Interesting now, demographic. But now though. I've got these two boys. Oh, I've yeah, got yeah. Jack and James. And your kids are like 11 and 9 maybe? 10 and 8. 10 and Jack, 8. Is playing, uh, Jack is playing baseball, playing oh, on the, uh, the Angels. You know, he was uh, the worst uh, uh, athlete I've ever seen. He was far worse than any Ferriston that's ever been made. And then at 10, he, start, he starts it to get it together. In. Yeah. James, See? he's always had it, but he's into soccer. I'm not sure what that is yeah. just yet. 
But now I listen to uh, them talk to their grandma and baseball, and then I'm sucked in. Oh, and that's great. And now I'm great. like a little jealous that they're calling grandma about the Red Sox. Because yeah. they're both Red Sox Patriots fans. Sure. And the L.A. fans. So the now, why is that? Too. That's <clears throat> a dyed-in-the-wool thing that I think you should take uh, ownership of and, quite frankly, credit for, which is they're in L.A. Right. There's now two teams here yes. uh, for football, and there's two baseball teams, essentially. Right. There's two basketball teams. Right. And yet... Uh, Red Sox. Well, here's yeah. Patriots. Well, Red Sox and Dodgers are very big in our house. But Jack came home from the hospital on the day the uh, Patriots lost the Super Bowl. Oh, to the Giants in Arizona. Uh, right. Was that the uh, the Dave Tyree helmet catch one? Or was I'll that... take your word for it. It was <laughs> okay. yes. But I held. I have a picture of him, which I showed him for many years. This is you the day you came home in front of the big screen. Unfortunately, the Patriots <laughs> lost right after that. So you, I'm not going to say you're you, the curse. You're the no, reason why no. they lost. Like my dad But there's did a you. little of your dad in there. <laughs> but I was thinking <laughs> about it. Planting that in your it. own kid. Yes, sir. So now seven years later. Um, 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 the schadenfreude lives on. <laughs> seven years later, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. And they're playing at the same stadium in Arizona. And I'm working for NBC uh, for Car Matchmaker. And I say, hey, you know, it's my son's birthday. It's he's seven. And here, look at this picture. This is seven years ago. Do you think? And they say, we're gonna we're gonna set you up. Wow, oh, great! The NBC Sports sets me up. They get me. They get us on a plane. They fly us together. They put us up. They give us you know thirty thousand dollars worth of Super Bowl tickets. Wow. We sit next to Ian Zering from oh, Sharknado. Sure. Yeah. And I've got seven year old Jack there. It's his first football game and you remember the game wow. it was a nail biter right through to the end but the, they play the, but the patriots won jeez i don't even remember who they played wow. i don't remember the other day no i do you know because joel McHale was there it was the seahawks oh yeah yeah the seahawks okay yeah. and uh, he was not very happy about that oh was that the joel. interception no yeah. that was only three four years ago i well, can't remember that's the one where uh where but the just imagine picked it off on a goal line. Just imagine little Jack, okay? Oh boy, little Jack has a birthday party. I get our two D two to come, was. and that then we the literally get on a plane and we fly to the Super Bowl, where we wow. watch this team win the Super. It's his first yeah. game. He now, this is what that moment did to him. Every day of the week that he goes to school, every day, five days a week, he wears a Patriots shirt. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> it doesn't great. matter if it's football season or not. Does he have anybody on the jersey? Does he care? Any name on the back? Uh, of course. Look, he sees 87s everywhere. Oh, 87s. So it's Gronk. Yeah. It's Gronk. Dad, look. It's 87. Hey, Dad, look. Uh, the 8 is next to the 7 on the clock face like Gronk. It's insanity. That's great. And, and Brady second. Well, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a second level to Gronk for kids because not only is he a great <laughs> football player, but he clearly still thinks farts are the greatest yes. laugh in the world, you know? He's kind of so, muppety. He's yeah, kind of right. muppety. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> that was the Super Bowl yes. where the uh, uh, Seahawks were driving. And uh, uh, try to pass from the one-yard line mm-hmm. instead of jamming uh, Marshawn Lynch into the line. And Malcolm Butler That's right. in one of the most amazing plays. I'm a, I played flag football. That's as far as I got. Right. But I was a D-back. I have the mentality of a D-back. Mm-hmm. And he made the greatest play I think I've ever seen a D-back make, which is somehow on a complete short <clears throat> two-yard anticipation route, he, he, he out-anticipated the receiver and picked it off the goal line. Yeah, amazing play, and inc- so the, the and pay- then benched in this year's Super Bowl. Yes, 
Yeah, I don't know what notably, that was about. Notably. None of us do. And they lost. Some sort of locker room <laughs> snafu, Spike. You can't get around Belichick that way. What do you think, That's Chet? a Lombardi era thing. <laughs> Trying to sneak in after a three-martini lunch, not going to work. You know, Marshall Lynch did say that he would win, Chet. He said he would have won the game if he were in. Do you I, believe that? I do. I, I do. No, I and I'm doing Chet Waterhouse. I, I firmly believe they would have won because that's a dive play. Marshawn Lynch has the skills to leap to do the old Larry Canada right over the top. Denver Broncos back in the mid 80s. I tell you. And I like that kid they had at QB, Russell Wilson. Spent one year at Wisconsin. Gotta love that. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for the Badger barometer. Everything measured against the Badger barometer. So that's why he's a Patriots fan. There's no, there's no way yeah. in hell I'm getting him off that. And, no, and no, no, no. You can't. You can't. It's impossible. Yeah, I, absolutely. you know. And we're gonna go visit Fenway this summer, but. Uh, you know, you have to have a hometown team as well, right? Don't you I think believe that? so. Like, uh, yeah. The Dodgers are great. It's a great time. Yeah, I, I, and, you know, I, I would never give up the Packers in a million years, even through the uh, Scott Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, Don Mikowski years at quarterback. <laughs> what do you think, Chet? What do you think about the new baseball net surrounding the stadiums to keep uh, to keep people safe? Do you think that's a good idea, or does it ruin, ruin the game for you? Lowers lawsuits, increases oh. eye problems. <laughs> Did you ever try to stare through mesh at anything? <laughs> I've been to some rough strip clubs, and it kind of gave me double vision there. <laughs> My goodness, that portion of the broadcast brought to you by Bananas, the banana guaranteed to ripen tomorrow. So it's just stuff like that. I, oh, I love that. That's great. Like that. The strip joint. Mesh in a strip joint. That's perfect. <laughs> you know, by the way, the, the, the mesh that goes around the field is only uh, for the good seats. Oh, really? Yeah, which they deserve, right? They totally deserve that. I happen to be sitting in the good seats, but I was like, I deserve this. Trump Rockefeller mesh yeah, is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's like it, – and it, and Nobody with money is going to get hit. Don't worry, no, folks. But I was at a game uh, – I was at a game last season where I almost was <laughs> in wow. those very same seats. <clears throat> They're not my seats. I was a guest. But I just turned for one second oh, with my tiny. friend to look at the board like that, and the fella next to us said uh, – Oh boy, but just like that. Oh boy, and we went what? And the ball went wow. right over the top of my hair like that. And I said, "That is not an oh boy moment. <laughs> that's a look out <laughs> moment. <laughs> it's that's a, a look. That's get your mitt up there and stop yes, it." Yes, it was. Uh, it was comedian Chuck Martin. You know Chuck? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> goes, well, oh, now boy. it makes sense. <laughs> That's, he goes, oh, boy. That's as excited as like, Chuck's no, been. that's in, oh, shit. In, Chuck, in, oh, shit, look out. You're going to get killed. I, I'll give Chuck the presence of mind to have computed the fact that he's a Dodger fan and probably thought, wow, that's a Red Sox fan next to me, so let's see what happens yeah, it doesn't here. matter. <laughs> anyway, all right, we'll be back to talk more with Chet Waterhouse, a.k.a. Jeff Cesario, right after this. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their True Price competitively so they can win your 
business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. I'm talking about you. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. We're back here with Jeff Cesario, who's uh, <laughs> trying to trying to convince me he's a car guy. I don't see it. Go ahead. Give me your give me your well, car guy. I'm pitch. not a, I'm not an engine guy. That's okay. But I'm a car guy. If you I, if you if you're enthusiastic about automobiles, you're welcome here in this. Room. I grew up in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, America's right. only other auto town. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, was the main plant for American Motors, oh, uh, wow. builders of the Pacer, the Gremlin, uh, the Javelin, and a couple of halfway decent cars. The uh, Mark Donahue AMX, which at the time was the fastest uh, American road car out there. Uh, the Typhoon, a couple of other great cars <laughs> they built. Uh, and uh, so yeah, so most of the guys I went to high school with were. Worked at the plant. Wow. So did you see these cars on the road growing up? Oh, God. Everywhere. Because, and especially <clears throat> in the 60s and 70s, buy American because that was the right. Japanese invasion. We can't buy Japanese small cars. So American Motors Yeah, no, I remember Gremlin that. Sure. And, that. and so they were every, everybody in Kenosha. I mean, 20% of the <clears throat> workforce in Kenosha worked at American Motors. Wow, that's so, cool. So it that's was a, a great thing to have on your resume. Yeah, it's a big factory did you, did, town. Were there, it was you, a big American Motors town. So guys would just get them off the line and rip off the catalytic converter and just take out all the anti-pollution crap and just slam in some, you know, hooker headers and a Hearst pistol shift and go to town. So uh, Still you know, 0 to 60 in 15 seconds. Slam some Edelbrock cars on it. But, you know, when you got a Gremlin with a 258 V6 in it and nothing else on it, that can haul off the line a I'm little gonna bit tell you, at, a, at a red light. So. I am in a mood lately that I would buy a Pacer. I would buy a Gremlin. Yeah. I would buy – I saw a perfect – Perfect Ford Pinto the other day somewhere, wow. and I thought I'm yeah. gonna. I want that, even though it might explode. Yeah, I want the ugly it. car museum. I tell you, the <clears> Javelin <throat> was the best looking car they ever built. The Javelin was a good looking car. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, to me, it's about the smells. I mean, I don't. I don't remember anything in my neighborhood, in Massachusetts, that we were driving around where I thought this is a beautiful car. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember the good times and the smells inside the car, right? Yeah, that yeah. goofy American car smell. So and there the were a handle. lot of true motorheads in in Kenosha. And I mean, you know, there were guys with muscle cars <clears> left and right. The the you know the Pontiac Goats and the, we had the Ford Torinos and you know Olds four four twos and all of those level muscle cars and I loved looking at those things coming down the street. I loved the smell yeah. of octane. Right. You know I loved that and I still do. I'd still like to get to a place where I had or I could get a a great classic car, keep it in great sh- shape, and have a garage for it. And yeah. If I can knock off <clears throat> a couple more projects, maybe I can get there. Yeah. Let's all see. you have to do is move out of L.A., which yeah, is now that's true. the most expensive city in the world next to New York it's and ridiculous. Dubai and London. And finally, I finally actually uh, – an article convinced my wife of that because we were thinking, you know, you're in that murky area now. Yeah. We're like, eh, what are we going to do in five years? And she looked and she said, did you know that – that we live in an area of the country that's that's uh, real estate prices are ninety nine percent and above, and I said yes, yeah, yeah, I, I did know notice that, that because <laughs> I've been paying the mortgage for twenty yes, years. Yes, I, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get out now before the whole thing collapses, Let's yeah, see, yeah, right now it's all floating on Russian and Chinese money, illegal right. Russian and Chinese money. That's right. They're just coming in. We don't even know who lives yeah. in the houses. You never see yeah. anybody there, and the prices just keep going up for a house. A house. Yeah. A house. Why does that look like a Franco Prussian turret? That doesn't matter. (laughs) Just let them build it. (laughs) Let's. uh, So I I love cars. I do love. I I love. I love talking about cars. 
We we love hearing you talk about cars. I want to talk about. Uh, have you seen Dennis Miller at all? You guys, you and I share so much uh, showbiz history. You know, you know, I, I wrote for Dennis back in the day for Weekend Update. Oh, that's right. Yes. Way back in the day. That's now, because... By the way, I didn't write for him. I was the receptionist, and I handed him jokes. You were he slipping him jokes, enough, sure. Yeah, slipping him jokes. Because nobody at Saturday Night Live uh, could write for Update because they were so busy saving their own ass and writing sketches, and it was such a Chinese fire drill. Yeah. I had the privilege, from knowing Denny, <clears throat> of going up there a couple of times and seeing that world in action. The, the so S- you were writing jokes, too, SNL for Weekend Update? Well, what I, would, I knew Denny from stand-up. So what I would do is I was on the road seven, eight months a year at the time. This is mid-'80s. And, and uh, so I'd tr- do something. And and I knew nobody was writing for him, and I knew it was his first year on the gig, and, and you know his ass is on the line. So I'd do something if it worked. I'd go, Denny, this is so topical. It's freaking dead in a week. Right. Use it. I got. I got no. I don't need another thirty seconds. It worked. Do it. I'd, I'd be honored. And so he wound up using a couple, two, three, four, maybe a half dozen things over the course of a, a year or so. Then he got more entrenched, and he had guys like you and other guys feeding him stuff. But still, deep into his run there, nobody officially on staff could write for him because they were too busy writing other stuff. And after I saw that world, I literally said to myself, Spike, I said, I have the opportunity to probably get in here or get, have a shot to get in here. Right. I'm not. I'm <clears> not going to pursue it because I don't have the metal. I don't. I don't have the guile right. to survive this. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> well, I the joke the writing would have been easy for you because it. You know, Herb Sargent was kind of the gatekeeper for yeah. all the content, and the jokes were getting written. You know, Wednesday, but mostly Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday right, at that right. point. And I, what I recall about it, because I was sitting there at Ground Zero answering the phones, wow. <laughs> the receptionist was, that it wasn't that people didn't have time. It just wasn't the hippest job back then. Like, ah. Weekend Update wasn't what Weekend Update had been with Chevy Chase. Right. And it isn't what it is now. Well, and it we, wasn't conceptual because <clears throat> D- Denny's strength was, right. uh, I'm hitting you with three Muhammad Ali jabs yeah. and then a left hook. And right. Down, yeah, and it was very smart for the time, you yeah. Know, for and, and, but it was still set up and punchline, which wasn't cool to the. For me, it was just like, well, if no one's going to write this, I'll start here. Yeah, that's where oh, I can start because there's an opening. That's great, but um, I, you know, that's somewhat, interesting to hear. Yeah, so much fun and yeah. just nothing else to do, you know. And he's a great uh, Denny. Would uh, Denny, out of all the people, was one of the few, very few people in the show. It was him and Gary. That, and that might be about it. Gary Shanley, who said, just write the joke. I'll turn it into a Dennis Miller. Don't worry right, about right. thinking in my head or anything like that. Just write a good freaking joke. Right. And believe me, just with my voice, it'll sound yeah. Dennis Miller. He said, don't worry about that. I remember submitting a joke about uh, Edwin Meese. Remember that guy? Yeah, sure. Ended with, uh, with, uh, I hate these Mises to pieces. Some version of that. <laughs> I got it, Spike. I'll take it from here. Yeah, right. <laughs> these Mises to pieces. Don't worry about it, Spike. <laughs> I got it, bud. <laughs> Can handle it from here. It was so much fun. It you was through the sixty-three yard bomb. I got the last seven yards. Enough Take of that kabuki me. shit, Twyla. You know, it's any of these guys that we wrote for to get stuck in your head. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. It's like, and I'm stuck because the last big guy I wrote for was Seinfeld. So yeah. I'm stuck in a Seinfeld rhythm for the rest of my life. But I had a Dave in my head. Sure, I had a Dennis in my head at yeah. one point. Where you you know, the great thing I uh, I listened to uh, to Stern a lot. 
and uh, Gilbert Godfrey would go on there, and they would start in a semi-mocky tone. Uh, you know, get in with Seinfeld rhythm. Usually, what if Seinfeld were blue? It was uh-huh. kind of the hook they would fall into. And then they'd be swearing and stuff in Seinfeld. <laughs> and I guarantee you, within two minutes, they were writing fairly solid jokes. Because you get into that head, you get into that rhythm, and you can help it. You start to think in those premises, and pretty <clears throat> soon, good jokes yeah, are coming yeah. out. Or you attribute them to him. Because I used to do it. That's uh, a tremendous Mine is powerful. really an extreme, Jerry, right now. Now I go, what's the deal no, with half great. and half, Spike? <laughs> and I'll say that to him. And he goes, you know, I never said that. And I go, yeah, you did. He goes, I never said anything about half and half, Spike. This, yes, you did, Jerry. This is my favorite uh, Seinfeld story. <laughs> I was writing jokes early in my career. Uh, not only for myself, but I started in Minneapolis. So I would write for other guys because I just love to write. You know mm-hmm. how that feels. And Louis Anderson was coming up with me. And uh, I should say I was coming up with him. He started earlier than I did. And, and you know, Louis fantastic. And he's a- amazing off the top of his head. He's a brilliant comic. But I would write some fat jokes for him. And, and I remember I wrote a joke. Um, when I go camping, the bears put their food in the trees. So <laughs> it's a pretty solid joke. And so I told Seinfeld this. And he says, what are you doing giving away jokes? And I go, well, it's a fat joke. What am I supposed to do? And and Jerry goes, two words, fat cousin. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't went, wait. Boy, he's right. Oh, my he's God. Right. You guys are all the same. No, you're very generous, though. You're right. But he, he just locks that down on a yellow pad and puts it in his that's little it. file cabinet. It will come out someday. Yes. <laughs> and that's why he's got billions of dollars, Mike. Now, you, you wrote on Larry Sanders, too? I did. Did I, I not know Larry that? We came out of uh, Dennis Miller Live. I did uh, three seasons on that. We won two Emmys the first two seasons. Uh, and then uh, – So get, is everybody asking you what they asked me? Have you seen The Shandling Duck by – I have Apatow? seen The Shandling Duck. Every, every step I take out in the world, someone yeah. comes up to me and asks right. me that. And I was going to watch it. And now I, I don't want to watch it because too many people <laughs> asked me that. <laughs> but you saw it. I did. Uh, Judd – you know, Judd had a very special relationship with, with Judd Gary. Apatow. Yeah, Judd Apatow. And, and – and uh, you know, uh, so Judge and he Tate and he got the is, memoirs, right? Or he, he got the diary. He did he got the diaries, and he uses those as what, a what storytelling I... tool throughout the documentary. And it's a very uh, entertaining documentary, especially I believe <clears throat> if you didn't know much about Gary or knew mm-hmm. him as a stand-up and knew he had a couple of shows, and I might have caught a couple of episodes. If you go in from that standpoint, it's I think it's wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. If you knew Gary, it's a great uh, ride through his career. Yeah. No. Well, it's fun, and and you know Gary was a was a special guy. Yeah. Just a special, interesting, phenomenally flawed yet giving and spiritual human being. He was one of the few guys I could think of in show business who wasn't just a stand up and a mentor, mm-hmm. but was a guy. In fact, speaking of cars, uh, I finally had made enough money, and I knew Gary. To buy a new uh, truck, and I wanted to get a truck. I wanted to get a Forerunner, <laughs> a Toyota Forerunner. And I said, uh, Gary, uh, uh, and he had a Forerunner. And I said, uh, you know, I'd like to get a Forerunner, but I just don't know anything about going to buy a car, and I'm going to buy it with payments just because I got to establish credit if I ever want to buy a house. And he said, I'll go with you. I love that. And he went with me like a big brother. It was incredible. And he loved all that stuff. And he'd go, Did he really? You're going to charge that for undercoating? That's a sin. You know, he would like go right down <clears throat> the line. That's great. It was incredible to watch. It was one of the sweetest 
<laughs> most beautiful things anybody's ever done for me. The Shandling deal. So uh, yeah. did the did the salesman know him? They did, and he used that to every advantage to crank that price down. Really? He got me an unbelievable deal. Did you really get the undercoating? Because you never get the undercoating. No, we Good. didn't get the undercoating. Yeah, you didn't. No, no. That he is said, fantastic. You can't charge him for that. That's ridiculous. You should just throw that in. If wow. you're going to do it, just throw it in. Now, watch this here with the tinted windows. That's Why? tremendous. So he, what a he guy. just busted their balls. Yeah. What a sweetheart to <laughs> do 20, that, though. Yeah, and, and I, like I say, I don't have that kind of guile. People look at me. <clears throat> if you look at me, you go, New York comic. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take advantage of you. That's not what I see. <laughs> but, but, but. You know, when you talk to me for five minutes, you go, oh, this kid's obviously from the Midwest. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So, so, and he knew that, and I learned from watching him do that. I'm a learner, you know, but, but I, ha- I have to learn those muscles. I, I had no idea he could negotiate deals. Oh, he was great. He's like a, he's a comic true car. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> did he collect cars? Did he have cars? Not I thought I remember him having a Porsche. A he Cabriolet did have a Porsche. He wasn't like nutty for it. He <clears throat> right. had three cars. He had enough to fill his garage. That's yeah. about it. Yeah, but he hung on to his old Forerunner forever because he just loved that car. He loved to take his dogs, Shep and Maggie, out in the car and just 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 go down to the beach. And mm-hmm. he loved that part of his life. Or go up to he had a cabin up in uh, Big Bear, I think, somewhere up there, or Mammoth or something. I just uh, framed a picture of him and I um, out in the porch in Malibu that uh, Bill, who runs the Malibu Kitchen, took. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, we were chatting a few months before he died on the porch, and then Bill snapped this little picture with his phone and sent me a copy of it, and, it, and I got it in the mail. It's f- tremendous. Tremendous yeah. little picture. I didn't know Gary that well, but I, I, it was nice to ha- I have that little memory with him before he passed away. I remember uh, I, I got to know him through Dennis. Um, were uh, you part of the basketball crew? Did you play I, ball? I did play ball for a long time mm-hmm. until my knees started to give out. Uh, and then I had a kid, and then at that point, you know, what are you going to do? I would imagine everybody at that game's knee. Like, who who else is there? Now can you talk about who went to the basketball uh, games? You know, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> are you not allowed to talk about it? Uh, you know, for me. Uh, because I remember Gary would kick you out of the basketball game if you talked about who was at the basketball game, right? right? Yes, and and I sort of un- inadvertently fell into that uh, <clears throat> pit. I didn't know that was a rule. And you so, said it? Yes. You're one I of got, those? I got uh, I got. Who did to, you who did you out I, I at just the basketball was, game? I, I, you know, I happened to be on Stern and they asked about it. Okay. And so and so I, I discussed the game a little bit. And who and who, whose name did you give up? I don't remember. I mean, you know, two or three or four, but mostly people <laughs> who had done Stern before me. Right. And talked about the game. So, so they didn't so want publicity didn't know, for the game. I didn't know there was a rule. I know at because, some point I was in guys the... from the game who had been on Stern. But now that Gary game, so now that Gary's passed, is so can't we now talk about the game? Well, considering that two days after the game there was a photo from Gary's basketball court <laughs> with eighty people on it. You know, where can I mean, people where can the listeners find that literally, photo? you know, it was it was it was literally like Donnie Most, I think, was out on the court. I had no idea idea who these people were. So but you're I still, saying, just out of respect for the speed bump that Gary's friendship and I uh, had, I, I don't talk. I, All right, I so there is a picture. I know Kevin Nealon is probably one of those people, and yeah, I know very, a very manager or agent or two of mine yes. have been, been there. I was invited. I was always intimidated. I couldn't wrap my head around playing basketball with uh, – 
with Gary Shandling. I just thought, well, I don't even understand the, the terms of this game. Am I supposed to try to do well? Do I even know how to play basketball? It was just fun. It was, just I was such fun, a yeah. fan of his and some of the other people that I heard yeah. were there. I just didn't understand how I could relax in that situation playing basketball. Right. You know, what, was, I, you know was, what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But it was just a fun game and a very I totally giving, regret the decision. Very giving game. Yeah. Uh, and he was a very giving guy. So it, I remember it, it too, mattered not. This was another all. one. We now were. that you're, you're jogging my memory, further back, someone said, do you want to play tennis with Johnny Carson? And I said, wow. Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. No, that not. one I no, wouldn't have gone I go, for. What do, you, what do you mean? He goes, well, he likes yeah. to play tennis, so he needs people to play tennis with. Now, yeah. I, I just, it was right after, you know, right or during or after I'm writing for Seinfeld. I, I didn't understand what was happening in the world with that show. Right. But, but apparently these doors were opening up all over the place for me, but I would slam them shut as quickly as possible. I, I, I like, can understand that mindset, though, because yeah, it's how? terrifying. Terrifying. I mean, plus, that's an individual game. That's a one-on-one game. I can't think of a, of a more treacherous environment <laughs> well, uh, here's what sports, I with the possible exception of, would you like to water ski with Johnny Carson? Here's, He'll be in the boat. This, He'll be on the ski. Yes, I mean, I, I don't know anything what more I imagine, dangerous. Right? I took tennis lessons growing up, but then, as I said, I segued into baseball, and that was the end of it. I never really learned how to surve properly, oh, so yeah. I can do the dinky surf, right? Yeah. So I put myself, visually, I'm a writer, I visualize the moment, yeah. and me doing the dinky serve to Johnny Carson, and him just throwing his racket down I'm and walking going, off. Uh, Spike, is that it? That's it? That's what you're bringing me today, Spike? Right, uh, Spike, we're going to have to take a break. Uh, Ed, Ed, have you ever seen a tennis serve like that? Uh, all right, Ed's blotto. But how stupid am I for not going to at least get the story? And, you know, I bumped yeah. into to Johnny uh, a bunch of times because we would uh, – when we would come out for the Emmys with Dave, yeah. he, would, he would show up to Granita out in Malibu and often would just buy the staff dinner for wow. everyone. He was such an awesome guy. Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, I truly didn't appreciate him until later on in life. But, I did um, the show with Johnny as a yeah, stand-up, which was yeah. one of the biggest thrills wow. of my life. Wow. I did seven of them. Wow. That's great. insane. So tell us what happened on that first one. Well, did- the first one, you're, you know, your nuts are in your throat, if I may say that, um, just because – Your nuts nice are in your throat. Oh, brother. <laughs> Speaking of nuts in your throat, Louis Tiant looks at the sky, delivers outside corner, called strike three. So you go. But George Brett can't move the bat. Pine Tower, no. And he's out. Is this um, – what year is this? Oh, Sox lead eight sip. Um, this was 87. I'd done a couple of Letterman's, actually, for which I'm eternally grateful Before to Dave. Then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for having seen something in me. Which was more stressful, Dave uh, or Johnny? Both equally stressful, I would say, on, on different levels. Uh, Letterman, I distinctly remember uh, walking a shallow U around Central Park South, then up about six blocks on the west uh, on west side, down across Central Park South, up about six blocks on on Fifth, back down or for, till about four in the morning yeah. uh, before the show, just because oh. it was my first network show. Wow. I'm just freaking out. But uh, everybody there was tremendously gracious. And then, uh, you know, at the time, The Tonight Show was the small end of the funnel. Um, you know, and the, the, the big end of the funnel was as big as it is now. People wanted to get into comedy, stand-up, whatever it was, improv, whatever. So people pouring in from all parts of the country into this giant end of the funnel. Now the bottom end of the funnel is more conical. There's, there's mm-hmm. podcasts. There's, there's a billion things you can do. There's sketch comedy, movies, all sorts of ways to let your comedy out there. Back then, that was it. The Tonight Show, yeah, get that's through it. that there's little no, right. teeny end of the funnel. So <clears> to be able 
able to do it and to have uh, the tally coordinator at the time, the late great Jim McCauley, knew you had to have five shots ready. If you had five shots ready, then you were ready for your first shot. So I got to that point. They gave me the first shot. My first joke worked, and I was able to relax. And, you know, Carson was a guy of such grace and class. And I remember Carl Reiner was the guest that first night. So there's the two guys out there with grace and class. Yes. And Carson goes, you literally, uh, you're here on a great night. Uh, uh, this is a great night. Uh, uh, you're in a great mood. We're in a great mood. We've got a good young comic here. who's And he just sets this table like you're at 21. Yeah. Using the fine yeah. china and the good silverware. He just goes, you're going to love this next guy. And and I come out, and the crowd's ready. So I remember my first joke at the time was, um, um, look at me. I know I look a little ethnic when I show up at a beach in California. People say, who called a cab? And, uh, and that killed. <laughs> and then I just did, relaxed into it, and the whole you, set went great. Did you look over a glance no, at Johnny to see if never. He... <laughs> never. I knew... So you didn't see it until you watched it, him chuckling. No, that's that's – the comedic version of, of of getting a jump on the ball. Right. You don't you don't mess around. Did the Nothing laughs, gets in that zone. And you don't get to rehearse that moment either, right? So no. you're in that hermetically sealed environment. How did the laugh sound? But com- you understand that was still back when <clears throat> when applause were earned. Right. Uh, now there's much more of a, of a, of a guilt applause when a comic yes. gets a, a bit that gets a laugh people feel there's they need to applaud. There's a button in the control room yeah. they press and it makes people Back react. then you just earned everything. So uh, I started to get uh, big laughs that kind of went into applause breaks, but the timing was still there from the laugh and I knew enough of that timing from clubs wow. uh, that I could ride <clears throat> that laugh mm-hmm. into the next joke. I never got too comfortable. I always wanted to stay ahead of myself. But you know, you learn that muscle of looking comfortable while your brain does is. Does Johnny? Seconds ahead. Does he come and say hi to you before or after at any he did time? Not. He just so said you... from when I and believe me, I got a big response. I bowed. I didn't even fucking look over. I didn't want to take the chance. Right, <laughs> I, right. I just spun around and went out, and and I could hear him from backstage going, uh, "Tremendous job! You're going to hear a lot from that kid." Something like that, wow. and that's all I needed. Right. And uh, and then by the fourth or fifth one, I was doing panel. And, uh, so you did. You came out I to did that chair. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a big moment. Well, you know, it was fantastic because uh, you had panel material just wrapped, you know, prepped, and he would feed you the setup. But he'd like to go off the page, which a lot of guys didn't like. And <clears> I kind of watched it, and I realized, you know, people forget he's a stand-up, you know, and he just—it's like. You and me and Seinfeld at a bar just shooting premises. Yeah. You know, he likes that. What comic doesn't? Well, you I can, love. And so it was that that he liked. He liked throwing you something you weren't exactly. expecting. See if you could do something <laughs> with the premise. He was spitballing. So I, I took that attitude and I always had a great time with him on panel. Comedians are the most relaxing people to interview because you don't have to do anything. You yeah. can ask them anything. <laughs> hey, what's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. It's so great. And they'll yeah. just go and go and go. And it's a nice Ice break in the middle of the show, yes, as absolutely. opposed to the actress, yes, <laughs> and well, some yeah. actors, but mostly the actress who comes on and tells you the coffee bean story oh from God. this morning. Well, that was and the strength like, of the initial episodes of your own show. If I may divert for just a second, which was, uh, you know, when I look at some of the film pieces you did, uh, you know, the uh, uh, what was the nanny, nanny, <clears> nanny nine one one, nanny nine one one, nanny spike, yep, uh, and these just. <laughs> 
really kind of dark, They're dark, funny left turns. But you all, you you just killed everybody with the bullet. But you were first in line. The right. bullet usually went through your head, and then still had enough velocity to kill another eight or seven. Yeah. Eight but I said nobody is doing that. What was the one with the? Um, with the firecracker boy, what was that? Oh, was it the trading spouses? That was trading spouses. Oh my god, Word. that makes right. me laugh every time. I watched I see that it. recently. It's so dark. There's, it's so there's great. drug use in it. There's a gay firecracker boy yeah. in it. And because my kids were like, "What do you? What kind of sketch show were you doing? What were you doing?" And I'm like, "You know, I don't, I don't remember a lot of it, but I'm sure some of it's on YouTube. I know Fox <laughs> took everything else off, and we watched that. And Erica went, "Stop! What's a firecracker boy?" And then suddenly I'm doing lines, fake lines of cocaine, and the other one comes in. I remember oh, the whole – the guiding principle. And by the way, different times, right? So we didn't have times. this political climate. Everybody was bored with the traditional happy late night comedy yeah. fair. So we really went for edgy and nebbish yeah. and, and everything else. But, um, you know – I the guiding principle. That, yeah, yeah it, the guiding principle of that show is us in the writers' room. Yeah, like if we could grizzled comedy writers make ourselves laugh, sure. we could get the writers' room stuff that we were joking about. Imagine if you did that yeah. and put that on the air. I'll then... never forget bringing Marilyn Rice Cub in uh, to set on a scissor lift. <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. She had to come down from about fourteen feet up, which is against <laughs> union rules, let alone just civility. And then yes. slowly lower herself. Yes. I just wanted to break all the rules with that show. Well, Anything... it was great, and then uh, clearly Fox was trying to position you and themselves as a place friendly to late night talk shows. Yeah. So it became more and more traditional as, as the as the years went on. And, you but know, the strength of the show was that and nowadays I believe at least in some form whether it was Netflix, Amazon Prime, somewhere there's a place <clears> for <throat> that kind of hilarious dark stuff. Because I look be. at that and I oh my God, every time you swung the bat you you there's there's a line shot in a gap. That's going for <laughs> well, that's two. very kind of you. It's true. We were, we did have the most viral show on Hulu. We yeah. were, we were, oh, really? We were knocking everybody down. We had the top clips, oh, and we were great. doing that and self-promoting long before anybody well, else the, was. Well, uh, the heckler whisper. I still uh, use Matt Reedy every time oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah, Matt Reedy. That's every right. He's I my can, Facebook friend. I got something, I, yeah. got, I, got, I use and Matt Reedy. And what's going on with Rick Richards? Rick Richards. <laughs> <laughs> our sidekick, our drunken sidekick. Who newsman. Is a, newsman. He was, was a local news guy. Who, right. Who just that was, hated every minute of doing yes, it. And it I, showed I thought, and it was hilarious. Instead of having a, a sidekick like Ed, Ed McMahon, yeah. let's get an old uh, fired news guy who You're did right. the local news, had been fired, and let's put him there. And that was the actor's name was Jeff and he played a character named Rick Richards. Right. <laughs> Those notes were the, the best because and send him out into Little Armenia. <clears throat> well, Fox. Yeah, right. <laughs> I geez, we'd go out. I'd almost get stabbed or walk. You were on. in the worst neighborhood in the world and at I'd, the time. You remember there were heroin needles on the side. Oh my it god! It was the yeah. perfect place for comedy. I loved it. And the notes that would come in. Would crack. Remember the, that first year because Fox didn't really know how to note a uh, late night show. They were None. noting it like no a half idea. hour show. Yeah. So I remember it clear as day them going, Rick Richards can't die in this episode <laughs> <laughs> because what happens next week? And we go, well, he'll be there. He'll be sitting on his stool off to the side. He go, no, no. Yeah. You can't kill a character off. We go, this isn't this isn't a scripted scripted show. It's yeah, not a drama. You literally have to go think of this as an animated late yeah. night show. Those arguments, so which when we they, were when they kill off Stewie, he's yes. coming back. The That's following right. Yes, week. like Kenny. 
We yeah. were pulling our hair out, but it was they were such wonderful times. I have so many great oh memories God, of the that. The flying squirrel and the, the yeah, it should, it's still remarkable to the, me that the that Scorsese snap zoom that we that idiot, we, well idiot paparazzi Hollywood oh, douchebags all of that Hollywood stuff. Douchebags was the greatest. Little Bill O'Reilly, which eventually got us canceled. They <laughs> oh, were really? yeah. The, oh I'm pretty God. certain that that's what it was. Bill O'Reilly put his foot down. That, and that was, was the end of it. Hilarious little Bill O'Reilly. But it was. Uh, I'm just so surprised that it ever happened because, it, you know, <laughs> why me? Why us do it? And then why all this stuff? It was just one of those great moments where show business goes the wrong way and yeah. it, it, heads, it works out for us. Uh, and the it, great show Fury was problem solved. <laughs> Bam, problem <laughs> solved. solved. Right. You want to help hunger in, a lot, in Africa? Open a McDonald's. Bam, problem solved. <laughs> I know. I don't think it would work today with everything that's going on politically, but we had half the and Daily Show uh, the writers' room there. the film that we parodied, the Ben Stiller drug film where you guys were up on the uh, – that was in the pilot, I think, <clears throat> where, you get, where you were up on uh, – No, it was called the, – the sketch was called Let's Do Meth. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and it was let's take some audience member questions. That's right, how it started. Right. Sir, yeah. what kind of suit do you wear? Well, I wear the Paul Smith. And he goes, yes, you, sir. And Joe stood up and he goes, "Hey, uh, you want to do some meth?" And I go, "Sure, why not?" And do you have some music? And they play some music, and we leave, and right. then we go on a meth run, and right. that was the montage of us. And it was smoking a parody meth. of that Ben Stiller movie where he plays the it was uh, he plays the, the sitcom guy. He wound up doing. Oh, that's right. It was a parody of that movie that he did. I yeah, can't remember is, the name of it. Yeah, that's right. You're exactly right. But it got ugly. Oh, the jokes fast. got ugly really oh, fast. I played Hitler in a in a hallucination <laughs> scene for you guys. And then we come to, we walk back onto the stage. <laughs> well, that gems. You go there well now. that, and the music ends, and it's. <laughs> and I he and Joe goes, "You want to get more meth?" And I go, "Yeah." And then the music starts again, and we do two or three more minutes where it gets really oh, ugly God. and really dark. I just remember. But that's what I mean. I can't show that show to my kids. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no, like... no, there's nothing you can do. I just remember getting dressed as Hitler in the dressing room <laughs> of a uh, of a off-Broadway shoe store on Sunset. That's right. Oh, yeah, we were on a shoestring budget. That was a very cheap show uh, to shoot. Thinking, well, well, this should be fun. We have lived, Jeff Cesario, we have. and it's not over yet. You can catch Jeff Cesario on the new podcast here, one of the top 200, let's put him at number four of the 200, Play With Pain, Chet Waterhouse. This is your first season, right? How many of shows That's right. Have you done? We started in January. We got about 17 in the can. Uh, and it's all brought to you by uh, cheese. At least we're not bacon. <laughs> Subscribe to it now. It's hilarious, as is Jeff Cesario. And you can catch up with Jeff on jeffcesario.com. Is that you got it? still at, in at, business? Yeah, Jeff said, well, yeah, I got I to gotta fish that baby out of the barrel and, and polish it <laughs> Are up. Are you on any of the social Real media? Jeff Cesario. Twitter, at Real Jeff Cesario. And Twitter. And uh, you can catch up with me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm not sure about Facebook. Uh, I'm getting tired of the Russians. And real quick before we go, make sure you check out and are listening to my show over the Podcast One app. You can hear exclusive content from me and other hosts only there on the app. Extended interview clips, Q&As, and so much more. The Podcast One app. Download, listen, and love. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. 
Have you checked out the big podcast with Shaq here at Podcast One? Yeah, we talk basketball, but we're a lot more than just sports. I met this fabulous lady. She had to be in her 70s. Knew everything about me, knew everything about sports. And the last thing she says, I love your podcast. And I'm wow. Like, Thank you very much. Oh, but I hate that John Kincaid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's terrible. <laughs> Listen free to the big podcast with Shaq exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.